Welcome to the show. I am your host, Michael, owner of Matador Canine Brilliance and the host of Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Today we're talking about how you can build your dog's food motivation. Okay, this sometimes gets referred to as food drive or uh, high drive dogs who are just really into food, but really it comes down to food motivation. As you know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, drives don't exist. So what we can actually do is encourage our dogs to push a little bit harder and work harder for their food to build their motivation. Thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into it. All right, so first off, you have to determine what level of food motivation your dog actually has. Now, a lot of people will say their dog does not care about food, does not care about toys, does not care about rewards in general, and then they resort to compulsive bathe methods, having to correct their dog, having to punish their dog, and really, they just haven't gone through enough to figure out what their dog actually likes. Okay, I'll tell you a quick story. I was working with a dog and a gentleman. For simplicity's sake, the gentleman's name was Frank, and the dog's name was Mikey. Now, we had spent a little while working with the dog. It had some aggressive issues. It was resource guarding. It didn't really like to be handled. It was a smaller dog. And Mikey really wasn't progressing as well as he should have. We were getting somewhere. It was just taking a lot longer than Frank wanted. He wanted a little faster. And I said, okay, well, have you ever done a preference test? Now, this is when I was working with a facility and they had a certain way they did things and a preference test was not part of the way they did things. So a preference test is just taking the time out to determine what your dog likes. We'll go over that a little bit more in a little bit. But he said, no, we just kind of used whatever we had or we used his kibble. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I opened a couple bags of treats. I think it was beef, it was liver, it was chicken, and I think turkey, or maybe salmon. And we just gave Mikey the opportunity to pick the one he liked. We did this several times. Whichever one he picked the most, which ended up, I think, being beef, if I remember correctly, that was the one we were going to use. I kid you not, we saw more progress in that one session after doing the, prof- the preference test than he had seen in the past month and a half. And he joked about it for the the rest of the time that I knew him. I hope he's doing well. But Frank joked about it saying, really, the only thing he needed to do was pay $11.99 for the bag of treats to get his dog to listen. That was the magic for him. $11.99 for a good bag of treats that his dog actually enjoyed was exactly what he needed. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So point being, if you take the time and you actually figure out what your dog likes, you can see wonders in a very short period of time. I'll tell you another story. We were working, working with a dog, dog reactive. Couldn't hang out around other dogs because it just it lost its mind. They were using, I believe they were using the treats that we sold at the facility because that's what we had. And, and they didn't have treats, so they ended up buying a bag. And the dog was fine, you know, 60% motivated, would work with you. They ended up going out and getting string cheese. And they got mozzarella and cheddar twist cheese or something like that. When I tell you that the difference in this dog was night and day, I I couldn't be more clear about that. Okay, this was in half a session, they were approved for group class. I said, as long as you bring this cheese, you can be in class. You can hang around with other dogs. This dog did not care about anything else when the cheese was out. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. 
Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Now, this, some trainers will call a magnet. This is the thing that your dog will give up everything else for. And when you find the magnet, when you actually recognize that the magnet is real, because it definitely is, you start to see a side of a dog that you've never seen before. I know for my dog, it's a tennis ball, which we will rarely ever use because of how intense he gets about it. I'll use other toys. I'll use a tug toy. But the tennis ball for him, and I've shown this on my social media. You can go look it up. Essentially, what happens is he's panting. He's having a grand old time, nice and relaxed. I pull out the tennis ball and his entire behavior changes. His mouth will close. He doesn't want to pant because he doesn't want to lose focus. He stares at the tennis ball no matter where it goes. He becomes almost statue-like. That's what that dog did with the mozzarella and cheddar cheese. And that's how we were able to get that dog to focus so well. Because then the dog just thought, oh, well, mom and dad have that cheese. I'm just going to focus on them instead of everybody else. So that's my first piece of advice. Take the time to do a preference test. Figure out what your dog likes. Now, let's go through the the particulars of a preference test here. What you're going to do is back tie your dog to something. And what I mean by that is put a harness on your dog or have somebody just hold your dog back. And if they're on a harness, you put a leash on it, you tie it to something just to keep them away from the treats for a second. You're going to take three different flavored treats and you're going to place them equally distant away from your dog so that they can't reach them. You can let them sniff, you can bring the treat closer to them, let them sniff and then put it away, and then you're going to let your dog go. Record which treat your dog picked, and then try again. Move around the treats that your dog isn't going constantly to the middle one, or constantly to the left, or to the right, but rather they're actually going towards the one that they want. Once you've determined which one they want, you're then going to take that one and bring it to the next round. You're going to replace the two that your dog didn't want. And you're going to keep doing this until you've gone through, let's say, 10 different treats. So that's at least three rounds. I would at least do five rounds where you're getting the treats, right? So let's say you're doing uh, chicken, salmon, and turkey. The next round, right? Chicken survived. So we go on to the next round. Chicken, salmon, turkey. Now we're going to chicken, bacon, ham. Now, instead of doing the chicken for the third round, you do salmon, turkey, ham. And then the fourth round would be bacon, salmon, ham. Right? So you want to change it up as much as you possibly can, and you want to record which one your dog goes to the most, which one your dog goes to second, and which one your dog goes to the third. They can have all of them. I'm not opposed to letting your dog have all the treats that they want. By all means, go for it. But you want to record which is that super high value, which is the one they're going to nine times out of ten, which is like that mediocre value where we can use it to teach new behaviors and maintain behaviors. And then the third one is kind of just maintaining the behavior. Now there is a difference between all that. We go over that in other podcast episodes, but that, that different hierarchy of rewards is going to play a big role in things later on. So point being, take the time, figure out what your dog likes. Now, most people are just going to leave it at that chicken, salmon, turkey, ham, bacon, cheese, 
but there's different levels to that. So you can get a freeze-dried treat, you can get a moist treat, you could make it homemade, you could bake it in something that has an extra level, level of flavor. So I used to cook chicken with beef stock. So now it's got a confused, you know, combining flavor that my dogs really liked. I've also seen people cook bacon and then they take the bacon grease, and although this is not very healthy for your dog, take the bacon grease and pour it onto their dog's kibble. So now they can use the kibble and the bacon grease to get this combined flavor. So there is an endless amount of possibilities. If your dog is not food motivated, you probably have not found the food that they actually like. And in some cases, it might be weird. It might be kangaroo. It might be, you know, alligator, whatever it is, kind of have to take the time and figure it out. Meatballs, right? The different moisture content and consistency and all that kind of stuff. I will tell you this. If you say your dog is not food motivated and you are using a milk bone, which is dry and crumbly and has no flavor, trust me, I've tried them. There's no flavor in a milk bone. Then you, you need to completely change your concept of what food motivation is. It would be the equivalent of me saying, oh, well, you're not really hungry because I offered you a saltine cracker and you didn't want it. But, you know, maybe you want the saltine cracker sometimes, but if you just ran a marathon, you don't want a saltine cracker right now. You want water, right? I got to find out what you actually want. If you just had a huge Italian meal, which if you're Italian or you've ever had an Italian meal, you know the portions are insane, and I try to give you a saltine cracker, you're going to be like, nah, wait till dessert. Like, I don't really need a saltine cracker right now. That's the equivalent, especially if you're training in the morning and you didn't use the kibble, which I don't understand why you would do that. But if you didn't use breakfast for training and now you're going to train afterwards, your dog's satiated. They're not hungry. They're just working for whatever is a high value. So if you're giving them a saltine cracker or a milk bone in this case, you got to completely change your idea of what food motivation is. So that's my first tidbit. Do a preference test. Figure out what they actually like. Second point, reduce your dog's intake per day by 10%. Now, if 10% sounds like a lot of math to you, just take a handful out. It doesn't have to be crazy. You're just reducing what they take in every day. One, so they don't get fat from doing all this training. But two, to make them slightly more hungry. I'm not suggesting starving your dog. Most Americans actually feed their dog too much because that's what's labeled on the bag. And this sounds terrible, but it's labeled on the bag, some people believe, so that you end up buying more or spending more. The caloric intake for your dog, especially if you're not doing much, is not as high as you think it is, just like people. Oh, the average diet says 2,000 calories. Most people are not burning 2,000 calories a day. If you walk for an hour and you go to the gym for 30 minutes, okay, maybe you're burning 2,000 calories a day, but on average, you're not. Same thing with your dog. Yes, you could take them for a 45-minute walk, but the rest of the time, they're just sleeping. And if your dog is overweight, you definitely want to cut down more than 10%, let's say. But 10%, unless you're going to weigh your dog's food or actually do the conversions to how many cups you should now be feeding, just take a handful out, put it aside, or better yet, use your dog's ration for the day for training, period. Okay, that's my second tidbit. Reduce it. You might even want to reduce it and then wait two weeks and then start training. You'll notice your dog slightly more hungry. Okay, now we're moving on to tidbit number three. Tidbit number three is actually a, a active thing that you can do, okay? So it's not so much testing and trying to figure out what they like. It's not so much reducing their food. This is something you can actually do in training sessions. And it's making the food more exciting. 
Okay, this is my third point. Make food more exciting. Not only can you reward your dog for moving towards the food, which will in turn reward the motivation towards food, but you can actually just toss the food around. I do this all the time, especially if I want my dog to move more and I want them to be more excited during a training session, I'll toss food around, but it can actually get them more interested in the food itself. I've even had dogs that did not like food, did not want any part to do with it, and all I had to work with was kibble. I got to figure something out. So instead of just giving up and saying, oh, well, I'll try something different. Okay, I'm going to try to toss the food. They chase after the food, then they come back and they're like, ooh, I kind of like that. So then I reward them for engaging with me again by tossing another piece of food. And I just keep doing this over and over and over again. They start to learn that food can be fun because it's almost like a game. But I'm not getting them so crazy as you might be able to do with a tennis ball or a tug toy. Right? They're at this nice little sweet spot where they're focused, but they're still excited. So you can toss the food around. Now, moving the food and actually building your dog's motivation typically comes from luring. This is where it stemmed from. This is what people try to do. When you have the food in your hand and you move your hand away from your dog and your dog follows it and eats, that's luring. That's all it is. If you've listened to my other podcast, you know my opinions about luring and that there's other ways of doing things, although luring is a great way to teach the initial behavior. Initial behavior. You should very quickly move away from it. But in the case that you're trying to build motivation, there's two ways you can do this. You can just have food in your hand and slowly move your hand away from your dog, letting them eat breakfast and dinner through your hand, which is a great way to get them to follow your hand and move around. But more than that would to be actually hold them back with your other hand, right? You can put your hand on their chest and you're going to try to push them away, but not so much that they give up. Just enough so that they have to push through your hand in order to get the food. When we do this, we're rewarding our dog for trying harder and pushing through and trying to get to the food. And when they eventually do, they get rewarded. So they go, oh, awesome. All I got to do is try a little bit harder, try a little bit harder. Some dogs just never had to try. And if they've never had to try, there's no reason to be motivated to do something. Okay, think about a very nice cushiony lifestyle. There's no motivation to go to work if everything's paid for, you don't have to do anything. This is you know, commonly the problem of young individuals, young adults. Oh, well, they don't have to do anything. Think about somebody who's homeless. They will do anything. They will do anything to get a nice warm bed that they can sleep in with a hot meal. That's all they want. Transversely, you have everything given to you. You don't do anything. So the motivation is huge. If with your dog, you're not really pushing them to try harder to get the thing, they're not going to keep trying. They're going to go, okay, cool, whatever. I've even seen this with some dogs where you do the same repetition multiple times and they give up and they go, okay, well, the challenge isn't there anymore. I'm not trying to figure this out. I figured it out. Give me the treat. Let's go. We can move on. So you have to always take them to the next step. You can always improve the behavior by tightening the criteria or doing it with other variables. So you can hold your dog back with your hand or you can actually use a harness and have somebody hold them back. This is a great way to build a, a nice solid recall as well. But this can also be done in bite work. So I want to bring that up real quick. Not that many of you are doing bite work, but it's something you can think about. So when an individual is doing bite work with their dog, sometimes they'll put the harness on the dog and they'll pull back with the harness and the leash. But also people will use a bungee cord. Why is this important? They use the bungee so that the dog has to pull and they pull through and they get all this resistance. They get the thing that they want, i.e. being a bite, and then that tension goes away. 
So they've actually gotten been words. They've gotten rewarded twice. They've gotten rewarded for releasing that pressure, and they've got rewarded for getting what they wanted. So in the case of food, you could have somebody with a bungee, or right, adding that pressure with your hand, or you could just grab the harness and pull them back if they're not too big. And you pull them back, they go forward, they pull forward, they get a treat, right? We're using the opposition reflex, they're off balance, so they push forward and they get the treat at the same time. And then once they get the treat and you start feeding them, you ease up on the pulling. And then you can just build this over time. So you either have to pull further or they have to follow your hand longer in order to get the reward and to stop the pulling. So that's how we can build food motivation. It's not a drive, okay? It's not a biological purpose. Eating clearly is a biological purpose, but if your dog is satiated, like I mentioned before, there's no need for them to try any harder. There's no need for them to be motivated to do it. And just because your dog doesn't have a quote-unquote high food drive doesn't mean you can't build on it, doesn't mean you can't strengthen it and actually make it more than what it was. This is usually an excuse for poor training or poor planning and where someone says, oh, well, this dog just doesn't have high drive, so they can't do this. They absolutely can do it. You're just not setting them up for success and teaching them the fundamentals and really breaking down the behavior. This, I mean, this is breaking down the behavior as low as you can go. I'm going to reward the dog for accepting a reward in the first place. Hell, I'll even reward a dog with toys for taking a treat, simply because treats and using a treat is so quick and easy to use with a dog. You can get so much information across in a very short period of time, much faster than you can with a toy. A toy usually is more exciting, so the dog is a little sloppier because they're all over the place. So you can really get minute and precise with a treat. So I'll actually use a toy as a reward for accepting a food reward in the first place. And then we can go through intermittent and variable schedules and how we build on that. But if you want to try that, go for it. That might definitely build your dog's motivation towards food if they're really toy motivated. Okay, you take this handful of food and then I'm going to give you a jackpot of a treat. And then we're going to do it again. And then we're going to do it again. But you need a high rate of reinforcement here and you have to constantly be pushing your dog to try harder in order to get the food. So what was our, our pointers today? A little recap. One, reduce your dog's intake. Hand feed them. Do a preference test and try to reward them more for taking that initial reward in the first place. Thank you for tuning in today. It has been a pleasure hosting the Acknowledge Dogs podcast for you today. I hope you found some value out of it. If you did, please click the follow button. Make sure you're getting all the notifications on our new episodes. We post very regularly and I want to make sure you have the information that you need. Uh, upcoming news, we have a book coming out February 5th. It's called The Dog Training Cheat Codes Book. It's absolutely wonderful. I wrote it myself. I'm a little biased. But if you are interested in it, make sure you get on the wait list so we can print as many books as we need so that nobody runs out and doesn't have the book. Uh, if you're interested in that, head over to matadork9.com. You can also follow us on social media to stay up to date with all the updates on that book. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.